welcome to the Elevate Live podcast channel. We hope this sermon encourages and inspires you so you can go and grow to your next level. For more information about our church, please visit our website, elevate.life. Enjoy the message. I want to pray for you before we start. I'm not going to preach today. I'm just going to share from my heart to yours, if that's all right. And, um, but I think God's given me a word for you and a word. The main thing is God's done a word in me and he's done a work in me. So, Holy Spirit, I invite you into this place like never before. I ask that you would just do what only you can do. You're not only the great comforter, but you're the great encourager. Jesus, when you left, you said, I'm not going to leave you alone, but I'm going to send my Holy Spirit and he will be with you and guide you and lead you and help you. God, I just want to thank you for helping me and helping us. And Lord, for those that are here today, I pray that they would know that they're not alone, that you have already won the battle no matter what it looks like, no matter what our lives look like, no matter what the diagnosis is, no matter what the prognostication is, we acknowledge you today as God. You are God. With man, things are impossible. But God, with you, all things are possible. So I thank you for that. I thank you for the privilege of being with my family of choice. God, today I pray that they would feel love from you and love from me like never before. As not only the pastor of this house, but as the father of this house. God, govern our time together. Your word says deep calls unto deep. So I pray, God, that you would speak to each of us and go past where we've ever heard before. Go into the core of our spirit, the core of our being and begin to do a work from the inside out like never before. Just while you're standing, I wanna say thank you to our staff for the last two and a half months doing a great job with our church. Thank you. And to Josh who He came into my ICU and just stay standing for a minute. He came into the room when I was in ICU and stuff stuck in me and plugged all whatever they were doing. And he knelt down by my bed and started crying and he said, Dad, I'm not ready to do this alone. I want us to do this together. And I said, oh, Josh, I do too. It's going to be fine. I said, it's just heaven on earth you saying this to me. He goes, well, it's hell on earth for me. So, so son, I want to say to everybody, thank you. You did a great job. A great job. I love y'all. Thank you for being here and 
Anyway, we'll get to that in a minute. You can be seated. Thank, thank, thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, if you're a guest with us today, I already met a few of you before you came in here. Welcome. Um, I had a heart attack in June. It's hard for me even to say that. But um, I told them I was not going to preach this week. I was going to sit down and talk to you guys from my heart. So I hope I don't gush all over you. But, uh, but I really am just grateful for our staff. They've done a great job in my absence. And uh, the first weekend of June, I can't remember exactly the date, but I got up and here's what I said. lift up your hands. June is Axis Month. No matter what's happened, January, February, March, April, and May, June is here, and just like the world turns on an invisible axis, I declare and I speak over this church. I declare and I speak over everyone who's watching on any kind of digital media right now that June is the month where everything begins to turn in your favor. I declare and I speak that June is Miracle Month and that miracles are coming to your house, miracles are coming to your business, miracles are coming in your finances. In the name of Jesus, if you agree with me, say amen. That's how we're starting today. Come on, give God a big hand. So I, I want you to know if you haven't been to our church that when I say stuff like that, it's not just flippantly. It's not just, um, you know, I'm not just saying something to build your faith, but I believe this is the year of the supernatural. Put an amen on that. I stand on that. I've seen that happen. And I didn't know the first week of June when I spoke that, that just a few years later, I'm sorry, just a few days later on June 14th, um, I, it was about, uh, I'd gone to work out actually, and, uh, and uh, there's a gym from our house, um, and it's about seven miles, and so usually on my bike, it takes me about 22, 23 minutes to get there. I ride at a pretty fast pace, uh, but yet, you know, not a killer pace, uh, b- before now. Uh, <laughs> and, and so I got them working out and I got on my bike and, I, and I, I decided to do something I'd never done before. And that is I picked a lead car. And uh, there's a little road that is a 25 mile an hour road. And I thought, I'm gonna pick a car and I'm gonna stay with that car the whole time. Well, again, some of you may have heard this through the years, but Dallas used to be one of the places where they, had the, they held the Junior Olympics. This is years and years ago. And when I was about 12 or 13, um, I was considered a junior Olympian. Well, you know, I ran back then the 50-yard dash. And so they clocked me at 18 miles an hour when I was about 12 or 13. And uh, so I could run pretty good. And so I was thinking in my mind to ride a bike 25 miles an hour, like, you know, 30 minutes or so, that wouldn't be that difficult because I've run that fast before. Before. And... uh, (laughs) So I, I jumped on the bike and I felt great, man, and just, you know, stayed with that car. And anyway, I got home and I was getting ready to take Precious out on a date. And uh, it was about, probably about four o'clock. And um, 
And I said, hey, I'm gonna jump in the shower and I said, in about seven minutes, I'll be ready. Cause that's, that's really a true thing with me. Like I'm, I'm a seven minute shower, get it together, put the makeup on, get the hair extensions, do all I gotta do to make this work. And, uh, and so, but for real, I always tell my family, seven minutes, I'll be ready to go. And usually it's, it's true. And uh, so anyway, I got through and I told Sheila, I said, you know, it's weird. I said, I'm feeling like something in my chest. It's weird because I've never really felt it before, but I need to lay down for a minute. So I said, I'm sure it's going to go away, but just give me a minute. So anyway, after about 30 minutes, she came in and she goes, well, are, you, are you ready? I go, not really. I said, I don't, know what I, I don't know what I'm feeling. I said, but I'm like not hot, but I'm sweating. She goes, well, the whole bed's wet. I said, well, that's weird. So I said, well, you know, maybe I just need to drink some water. So I, you know, I've got a 32 ounce water thing I do all during the day, but organic lemon juice and apple cider vinegar. And so I thought that I just feel like something's locked up and I didn't see the elephant in the room, but I felt like there was like an elephant stepping on my, stepping on my chest. That's the only way I could describe it. And it kept getting more intense. So I drank the water. Well, that didn't work. It like made it worse. I thought it would like unlock something. So I touched Sheila without being gross. Said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw up the water now because that didn't work. So I threw up the water. And then she's, so she's doing all, she's like a real researcher and reader. And so she goes, well, says if you feel like, like, what are you feeling? So I was telling her, well, she said, well, take some Tums. Well, I've never taken Tums ever. Like we're not a Tum family, right, Josh? I mean, we, you are. Okay, well, Josh, Josh. I've never had a tum in my life. But anyway, Josh, run me tum tums. See, I didn't even know you took tums. But I'd never, she had tums, so I guess somebody took them. But anyway, so I, I took tums, and that like made it worse. And then I said, well, hey, you know what, I'm gonna throw that up because I'm, I'm gonna unlock this, Sheila. Like that's the mode I went into. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna, whatever this is, but it kept getting worse. And so we were about an hour into it now and we're not working towards the date. And, uh, so she kept asking me, like, what, what are you feeling? I said, it's all right, baby, let me, just, let me just rest. And it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And so she said, I'm calling the emergency. I said, okay, well, you know, all right. So she called, they go, yeah, bring him in here. He's having those kind of chest pains. So I go, baby, I, you know, I don't, think, I don't think we need to do this. But she goes, no, you know what, we're, we're doing it. Go get in the car. So... I went and got in the car and she started driving me. Well, it, it was about 30 minute, 30 minute drive. And all the way, man, it was just, it started getting so intense uh, to the point where it was, it was unrelenting. It wasn't excruciating, but it was unrelenting. I'm just over there and you know, I'm not like, oh, anything like that. But about 10 minutes from the hospital, here was the thought I had. I thought, so this is, this is what it feels like to die. That's what I thought, I thought. I could feel my whole body shutting down. So little precious, you know, she's so calm and stuff until that day. I mean, she was like just running over the curb, speeding by police. I go, baby, listen, it's okay. Just, we'll get there, it'll be fine. She goes, no, no, listen, I'm gonna get you there. So we go into the, the emergency room at Sacred Heart Hospital. Nobody's in the emergency room. There's one lady behind the counter. We walk in there and she goes, well, what, how are y'all doing? Well, I'm having a little bit of chest pain. She goes, well, why don't you go sit over there? We'll get the insurance stuff done. So they set me in a wheelchair, which that was a whole nother issue with me. It's like, I don't need to be in a wheelchair. It's like, my chest is just hurt a little bit. So anyway, I'm sitting there and uh, she goes, well, we'll get the nurse and about 15 minutes passed and um, little Precious goes, y'all need to get the nurse 
out here. So the lady goes, oh, okay. So anyway, the nurse comes and she's called triage nurse, whatever that is. And so she starts doing all my vitals. And she goes, anybody ever told you you have um, low blood pressure? I said, not a day in my life. I said, I'm like all the time. She said, well, you're like at 40 something. I don't even remember what she said. And she goes, we, we need to get you back uh, in, in a room. And so again, about 15 minutes passed. And all of a sudden, little precious, goes, there's these doors that say, do not enter emergency staff. She busts the door. She goes, somebody needs to come and my husband, help my husband here. And so I was going, I was going, baby, listen, it's, she goes, no, no, they're coming. They're coming. So they came, they rolled me down. They rolled me down this hallway. Nobody's in any of the emergency rooms. I couldn't hear any voices. There was nobody even there. And my first thought, my first thought honestly was like I was embarrassed because I'm like saying to my body, I'm going, come on. Like, what are you doing? Like, what are you, we're sitting in a wheelchair in a, mer- I mean, this is a real conversation I'm having with myself. And I'm just like, almost like upset with myself, but nobody knew it. And uh, so we get in this little room and they gave me this robe that was about three sizes too small. So get in that. So I put on this. Thing. I was about half naked just sitting there. Again, about 15 more minutes passed. All of a sudden, she got, I saw a little precious. She, I go, where are you going? She goes, she walks out of the room. She goes, somebody, I hear, da, 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 da. well, this, this guy comes following her back in the room and he's got an x-ray machine. He goes, well, let's shoot an x-ray. So he, they shoot an x-ray. And so then I sit there for a few more minutes. They bring electrocardiogram in there and they start running it. All of a sudden, this nurse rips whatever she was reading off, and she, before she even turned around, she started running. She ran right into the door. She almost knocked herself out. And before I knew it, there was about six people in there, and there was a doctor right in my face going, okay, you're having a massive heart attack. I said, I said no, 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 listen. Here's the thing. I have a little bit of pain like in my chest right now, but I, he goes, no. And he gets right in my face. He goes, you're having a massive heart heart attack, we're taking you to surgery right now. They started rushing me down the, before they, by the way, this is funny. Before they got me out of the room, Precious goes, let me take a picture for the kids. I go, okay. So I'm like, hey, I love y'all, love you. And then they're rushing me down the hall. They're waiting for her to, she goes, okay, here we go. They rush me down the hall and, tell, and then they go, get over there on that table. Like I'm, so I roll over on this table and I'm sure Josh would understand this, but it was not like, you know, you think you're gonna be laying there. There's just the huge like machine over me. Found out later it was a video game they were playing while they were operating on me. But anyway, this huge machine, I couldn't hardly see it. And they said, we're not gonna have to go up through his groin. He's got great veins. Let's go up through his... Uh, his wrist. Well, I didn't know what was going on. All of a sudden, man, I felt like this snake going up my arm, across my chest. And he said, this is going to take about two hours. He said, you have a hundred percent blockage. And I, and at the minute I heard that they had given me some kind of oral thing and I was, I was awake and I don't know how long they told me later, it was about 45 minutes. He said, tell me when the pain stops or, or, or starts to subside. And it was about a level nine. I don't know what 10 feels like, 
but it was about a level nine. It was, it was as bad as I've ever felt in my life. And all of a sudden, it was like this. I went, it, it just went to about a three. And he goes, okay, we got it. He goes, okay, tell me when you don't feel any pain. And all of a sudden, in about 10 or 15 seconds, I went, that's, that's it. That's it. He goes, okay, good. We got it. So they put me in ICU and the doctor comes in and he says, first of all, it's a miracle you walked in here. He said, nobody walks in here with 100% blockage in their heart. He said, that's the first miracle. He said, the second miracle, he said, is that you didn't die. He said, you should, he said, you should be dead. And he said, but we got it. And then he, then he, I said, well, good, because I've got to get home. I said, I said, I'm supposed to preach on Father's Day and I've got to get back. He goes, oh no, 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 that won't, that won't be happening. We're gonna keep you here till Monday. He said, we've got to observe you. He said, and I'll tell you later what he said all the way, but he basically said, with this much blockage and for as long as it was, you've got heart damage. And we need to know how severe it is. I remember being in that ICU room And I had a little talk with my heart. And here's what I said. And I wrote it down. I said, we might be turning 60 in January, but you're gonna get stronger. And the demands I place on you are not going to change. We're going to defy age. We're going to get stronger and stronger. God gave me you to be my heart. He knew what he'd called us to do on the earth. And I wanna stop right here and say this. Your body, first of all, is the temple of God, but secondly, it is meant to be a capsule that you control, not it control you. And so, so again, now listen, you might say, well, you seem a little bit out of control. I was, except with my words. I couldn't control what my heart was doing, but I could control what my mouth was saying. And I said, body, You do not decide what we're gonna do. We, spirit, soul, and body will be led and empowered by the Spirit of God. This is only half time. We're going to go in the future more powerful than the last 60 years. So get ready, get reset, and let's grow like never before. We don't give in to sickness. We're not dissuaded by setbacks. And when we have a setback, we don't take a step back, but we get ready for a major comeback. And then I continued, someday this life on this side of eternity will be over, but that's not now, exclamation, as I'm speaking to myself. So we, spirit, soul, and body will rest. We're not resting because we're tired. We're resting because we're recharging. And then I wrote in capital letters, recharging. Once we, spirit, soul, and body are recharged, we will move forward supernaturally like never before knowing this. Now to him who is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly more than all we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, and dreams, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. And as you know, that's been our scripture all year. I'm speaking this over myself while I'm in this ICU situation. And here's what I felt like the spirit of the Lord spoke to me and that he wanted me to tell you among a few other things that we're gonna talk about today. What you do when bad things happen 
is what will stop you or make you unstoppable. Because let me, let me, let me, I'm a faith man, but listen to what I'm going to tell you now. Bad things are going to happen. Things that you cannot control in your life are going to happen. But what you do when those bad things happen is what makes you stop or makes you unstoppable. So when I was in ICU, God was speaking to me. And he was speaking to me through his word. And this is what makes the word of God getting in your spirit so important. Because one of the first scriptures that came to me as I was laying there, not knowing if my heart was permanently damaged, was rejoice always without ceasing in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Not that this sickness, not that this heart situation, not that this blood situation was God's will because it's not. But the bottom line is in everything, not for everything, but in everything give thanks. You see, uh, this, is, this is part of what sometimes we don't understand. And where we get stopped and where we get stuck is we focus on what's happening. We focus on what's wrong rather than what God has done. We focus on what we've lost rather than what we have left. We focus on, on the things that aren't the ideal versus the reality of where things are. And it causes us at times to be ungrateful because we think like I was thinking as I was speaking to my body, this shouldn't be happening to me. Like I've taken care of myself. I eat right most of the time unless I'm eating with Josh. (laughs) But as I was laying there, I just want to tell you some of the thoughts I had. I thought about how precious Sheila was to me. I thought about my children and their children, both born and yet to be born. I thought about the legacy that I wanted to live with them not just leave for them. I thought about the people that I wanted to do more life with. When I came home two weeks after my heart attack, I asked Pastor Precious, I said, I want you to invite a few people over. She goes, really? I go, yeah. I just want to tell some people that we've done life with for many years how special they are to me and that I want to do more life with them. And we did that. And then I thought about you and I want you to really hear this my family of choice and how much I love you and how special you are to me. I was thinking that you, that you come on the weekends, you you come and you gather together with me, with us and we get to do this. And listen, it's not about coming to church. Listen, really hear me now. It's not about coming to church. It's about us getting to do this because we believe that we can make a difference in the world. We believe when something happens in the Bahamas, we believe when something happens that somehow as a family, we can have a response and be God's hands and heart extended. So I thought about you and there's gratitude in my heart that you choose to come. You know, you could go to any church, you could be a part of any family and that you choose to be here. I'm just saying I'm more grateful for you than I've ever been. And I want you to hear my heart on that because 
when you're laying out like that or when you're going through tough times in your life, I'm just telling you the, the opportunity that you have is twofold. Number one, you can seize the opportunity to think about what's wrong and what's unfair and how this shouldn't be happening. Or you can do the, take the opportunity to say, you know what? As long as there's breath in my body, I'm gonna praise God. I'm gonna be grateful to God. I'm gonna be grateful for the people in my life. That's how I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be that kind of person. So thank you. Thank you for wanting to be with me. And then this is a big one for me, and I, I, I'm sorry I'm crying so much, but I, this is just, that's why I didn't want to preach to you because I just want to share out of my heart. So this is my heart crying too, because it is true, it's true. It's not just my tears, it's, it's like on the inside of me because I've been wanting to tell you this. I thought about, I want to be a more empathetic leader I haven't been empathetic enough. Like when Josh was preaching, he was doing such a great job. So I'm just so proud of you. I was thinking while he was preaching, I was watching and I was going, yes, yes. God help me. I was saying it out loud. God help me to be like Josh is preaching. Like I want to be that person. And I've just got to be honest with you. I've, I've wanted to be a good leader in my life. Like I've had this passion. I want to help people grow and develop. That's why I coach. That's why I do masterminds. That's why I encourage people to invest in themselves because I want to help them reach their full God-given potential. But that's been my focus. And even as Josh was preaching, I was convicted in my spirit. And I said, okay, God, I don't want to be a great leader anymore. I want to be a great lover. And so I want to tell you as your pastor and as a leader, I want to love you better. Like, I want to love you better. And I haven't always been a great lover. I want to be a great lover, but I've, I've tried to be a great leader sometimes so much that I haven't been empathetic enough. And I, I want to apologize for that. Because I really do. I, like, I don't, I mean, who cares? My kids aren't going to stand at my funeral and go, he was such a great leader. I mean, I want to cuss right now, but I'm not going to. <laughs> Who cares? Blah, blah. Anyway. I want you to come to this family. I want you to come to this church and I want you to feel love. And if I get to lead you, great. But I want you to feel loved and I want you to feel accepted and I want you to feel like you're worthy. And there's some of my enemies that watch every week that have left. Uh, I apologize to you too, because you make me mad and I'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> I thought about how grateful I am for all the good things that God's done in my life. You know, every day we have is a gift from God. That's why the devil tries to mess it up. He tries to get you focused on the wrong things and tries to get you to be mad at each other and mad at other people. Because really he just wants to mess up every day he can. Like he wants to mess your days up. So I thought, you know what, God, I'm going to like, I'm going to enjoy every day. Like I used to joke my kids all the time. I go, listen, y'all need that. Like I'd ask them to go do something, especially Josh. I say, hey, come do this with me. He goes, ah, nah, I'm good. I go, what? Like I'm going to be dead someday. You need to be with me right now. Anyway, so... Now they've asked me to stop saying that because it almost happened. 
But I want you to really hear this. I thought about how gratitude is one of the most powerful things that make you unstoppable. That when you're flat on your back, when you can't do anything, when you're wanting to go and they say, no, you're staying. When you're wanting to press and they're saying rest, the thing I could do is be grateful. And I felt grateful. I felt great gratitude, great gratitude in my heart. And in this unstoppable message, I could rah-rah you, and I'm going to do that next week. I'm going to rear back and preach next week. But this week, I just wanted to tell you that I've just got more gratitude than I've ever had. Not because I lived, not because, although I'm grateful for that, but for all the reasons why I just said, and I'm very grateful for you. I'm just very grateful. And I want you to know that. You know, last year I read a book that's had a profound impact on my life. I'm a reader and um, I, I love to learn and I love to grow. And the book was called Principles by Ray Dalio. Ray Dalio uh, is the, the principal, the, the man who has found the most successful hedge fund in the history of the world. It's called Bridgewater. And just to even get in the game, Josh, I think it's $100,000 or something. You've got to start. I can't even remember what it is. It's some astronomical amount of money. But at 66 years of age, he wrote something that has really impacted me at 59 and a half. And that is, he said, I have a new definition of success. And this is part of my definition of success now. He said, success to me at 66 is not making another billion it's not even helping people to make money because that's what he does for a living. He helps other people make money. He said, but success to me is to struggle well. The revelation for me when I was in the hospital, I know this sounds crazy to some of you, but is that we're all struggling. It's like God showed me. It's like he showed me. He said, you're struggling right now, but everybody around you is struggling with something. And I've just not always been empathetic about that. My thought was, hey, if you're struggling, let's go. Let's make it happen. It's not a matter of if or when we're going to struggle. We all struggle. So if this is true, I decided for the first time in my life, this is, a first, this is a new thing, that I'm not gonna seek to struggle less, but I'm gonna seek to struggle well. You see, as a man of faith, I'm just telling you, my deal was, hey, let's avoid the struggle, let's try to, let's try to work through the struggle, let's try to press through the struggle. And yet, when I read this that Ray Dalio wrote about his own life, it led me to the word of God. And I want you to really hear this now. For all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. So I want you just to lift up your hands right now, everybody, just lift up your hands. And I want you to ask God, say, God, would you lead me? Come on, just say that. Would you lead me? And if you meant that, I want, you, I want to read this in this context. For all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. So... If you're a child of God, listen to this. You've not received a spirit that makes you fearful or what the Bible says in the New Living Translation, a fearful slave because you're a child of God. 
Because what happens when we struggle is we get fearful because we don't think we're supposed to struggle. I'm just telling you, this is me, this is my confession. My confession was I was mad I was in the wheelchair. I was mad I was in on Friday night got, not getting to go out to, with Sheila. I was mad that the gown was three sizes too small. I was mad when the girl came in with the razor and I wouldn't even go into that. <laughs> Finally, I told Pastor Precious, I go, look, would you just tell her to like slow down a little bit because I'm afraid like, I, like if something happens anyway. She just, wrong, wrong, wrong. they were so, anyway, so. But listen to this, instead, everybody say instead. You received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. It's a good time to say thank you, Lord. Now we call him Abba Father. For his spirit, now listen, joins with our spirit to affirm that we're God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. This part makes me really happy. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. And that's the part where I wanna clap until I read the next verse. But if we are to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. I've never understood that in my whole life until now. I want you to really listen to me because your, your struggle is your suffer. And everybody's gonna struggle and everybody's gonna, gonna, gonna suffer on some level. And if you can reframe that to say, you know what, I'm sharing in Christ's sufferings because now I have an opportunity to prove who God is, but also to prove that I'm a child of God, how I handle my suffering and how I handle my struggle. Some people get mad at God when bad stuff happens. Why did I get cancer? God was really God. He wouldn't know, he, he, if God was really God, there wouldn't be a, a, a hurricane that hits the Bahamas. If God is really God and they get mad, you know why? Because their spirit hasn't borne with, born, born witness with God's spirit that they're children of God. So the world says no pain, no gain. But here's what God spoke to me this week. God says no suffering, no glory. And yet we're all trying to resist it. I don't want to suffer. I don't want to struggle. I just want everything to be good. And yet we all got struggles. In Colton Dechek's book, Mother Teresa, Come By My Light, we're given her personal letters to read, allowing us to see and feel her deepest thoughts. And that's what I'm trying to do with you is just to share some of my deepest thoughts with you from this heart attack that should have killed me. From these letters, what was the one trait we know that Mother Teresa most admired in one of her friends, Sister Gabriella? It was her ability to suffer well. Mother Teresa writes, Sister Gabriella is here. She works beautifully for Jesus. Most important is that she knows how to suffer and at the same time, she knows how to laugh. That is the most important. She suffers and she laughs. You know what happens to some people? They suffer and they complain. They suffer and they doubt. They suffer and they fear. But as a child of God, we have this privilege 
to not only be joint heirs with the glory of God, but as we suffer ourselves, we're sharing in the suffering to say, you know what? He went to the cross for my suffering. He bore my sorrows so that I don't have to bear my sorrows alone. First Peter 4.12, this scripture came alive to me in the hospital. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning this fiery trial, which is to try you. Don't think that struggles are strange, and yet I do. I'm being honest with you, I do. I go, I shouldn't be struggling like this. But rejoice to the extent that you partake in Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, that you may also be glad with exceeding joy. So listen very carefully now. I'm trying to just say this from my heart to yours. My heart attack was a physical struggle, struggle that caused some other struggles. I really want you to hear this now. They said I had a massive heart attack, but it, my heart's great. It's my thick blood. What I've always called Sherpa blood. You can Google about it. It's called superhuman. It's part of my strength. It's part of my superpower. Part of why at 59 and a half, I'm strong and I can lift. And they say that I could climb Mount Everest and not need oxygen because of the oxygenation in my, the oxygen in my red blood cells. Whether it's true or not, I'm not going to try it. <laughs> but I know I feel strong. And I haven't been empathetic enough with people who feel weak. So the doctor comes in and like I said, he said, he said, well, we've got to keep you here till Monday. I said, no, I've got to go. I got to preach on Father's Day. He goes, no, this is, he said, this is really serious. And his exact words were, and I wrote him down, we've got to see how much damage your heart suffered. On Father's Day, a day earlier than they said, said he was gonna keep me till Monday, he walked in and he said, put his hands like this. He said, it's a miracle that you walked in here. He said, I've never seen somebody that had 100% blockage walk in the hospital. He said, but the greater miracle is your heart has no damage. And he said, for the first time in 30 years, he said, I get to see the guy that walked in here walk out of ICU. He said, people don't walk out of ICU. He said, they go to, to, they go to, hotel, they go to another room, but they don't walk out. But he said, you're walking out today, call your family, you can go home. And then he looked at me and he said, you feel good, don't you? And I said, I feel really good. He goes, you should be dead. He said, so you need to rest. I said, so, like, what does that mean? <laughs> he goes, that means rest. Your heart's been through a lot. He said, if you weren't in such good shape, it would have damaged your heart. So I came home after two weeks of resting. It's one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life, watching all of you have fun on the weekend 
in my absence and wanting to be here with you. And I've visited with a cardiologist here in Dallas and he's a 54 year old guy and I hope he'll come to our church at some point. But he said, when I grow up, I wanna be like you. He said, I wanna have your body, I wanna have your heart. He goes, you're doing great, you feel great, don't you? I said, I sure do, he goes, you need to rest. (laughs) Your heart has been through a lot. He goes, you don't wanna be in diapers. And then he started saying all these stuff that could happen. So I want you to know what my blood struggle that I've known since I was 47. By the way, I have to take some ownership now. I want you to listen very carefully to what I'm saying because you might relate to this and you might not. I've known since I was 47 that I needed my blood drawn every two months. So I have to go have to, I have a pint of blood drawn out of me every two months because my blood is so thick. It thins my blood. Now, I won't go into a long explanation of that, but what they've discovered about heart disease is most heart disease is not caused by bad diet, lack of exercise, or even hereditary, or what they call bad cholesterol that now they're calling a myth. What they've discovered is some of the greatest hematologists and heart doctors have gotten together and they've discovered that as you get older, and ladies, I want you to listen very carefully now to what I'm gonna say. As you get older, your blood thickens. And as the viscosity like oil of your blood thickens, it runs like a river through your body. In your heart, that's where plaque builds up. So doctors started asking, why doesn't plaque build up in the arteries in the arm? Why didn't plaque build up more readily in the arteries in the leg? Why is it where there are other arteries in the body? Why is it in the heart where plaque builds up and ultimately kills, number one killer among people is heart disease. And they've discovered it's because when the blood goes into your heart, it's like if you can picture a rock in the middle of a river and the river hits the rock, well, it splashes up and it actually spins. It doesn't just run around the rock, it actually spins. It causing currents and all kind of weird stuff. And some of you have been in those currents. That's not just from water that's running with no uh, obstruction. When, when water hits an obstruction, it does weird things to the water. That's the same thing that happens when the heart goes in or when the blood goes in and out of your heart because it splits oftentimes and, and the thicker your blood is, and this is my issue, it spins and it lacerates the inside of your arteries and the plaque that builds up on the inside of your arteries more again than bad cholesterol, more than a lack of exercise, more than hereditary heart disease. It's a blood issue that is causing lacerations in your arteries that's causing plaque to be built up. And then in my case, it clogs. I only had 20% blockage, but 100% blockage because of my blood. And so what they're discovering is that, that every man and every woman, even in their 40s and into their 50s especially, needs to be giving blood on a regular basis, at least every quarter and every two months, as much as you can. And that's because people don't understand most heart disease is caused not by a bad heart, but by blood. So this is part of the revelation physiologically that I've discovered. Now, Here's what I wanna say to you. You can ask your own doctors, you can do your own research about that, but for me, the difference, women on an average outlive men seven seven to 10 years, but the number one killer among women is heart disease. 
Why do women outlive men seven to 10 years? Because they have less stress? No. Because their physiology is so different? No. The bottom line is a woman has a menstrual cycle until she hits menopause and she bleeds out most of her early life and even into her adult life. And because a man never experiences that, his blood, even though it recreates through the liver, et cetera, I won't get into the physiology of it, about every 120 days, the bottom line is when you're regularly taking your blood out, you're injecting new blood into your body and you're thinning your blood in the process. So every man that listens to me that can, start giving blood. Ladies, start giving blood. In other words, we can make the world a better place just by giving more blood. And also by being, being more healthy ourselves, notwithstanding drinking more water and on and on I could go. But I want you to hear me, this, this blood issue caused my heart issue. So this is, the, this is the revelation about struggles. And this is what I have to own. I'd gone five months. I've been doing it over two months since I was 47, but I got busy. I'd gone five months and it almost killed me. So now I'm just confessing to you as your pastor, I have a menstrual cycle every month and uh, I've changed. There's been a morph in me. But I want you to really hear this. This is a physical thing, but I want you to think about emotions. I want you to think about where your struggles are because here's what this struggle caused. It caused, I, I began to struggle with resting. I struggle with relinquishing control, not because I'm a control freak, but because I care. Josh tells me, this is my son, he comes, he says, listen, after he kneels at my bed and says, I don't wanna do this without you, you know, this is hell early for me. He goes, now listen, doctor said you need to rest. So you're not gonna get any reports you're not getting any financial information about our church. You're not gonna know what's going on with our staff. And I'm just going, no, no, son, listen, listen, I know. Like I know what the doctor said, but here's the thing. He goes, no, 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 dad, it's just not gonna happen. We're gonna handle it. I want you to know something that was very difficult for me. If you run a company, you know what you gotta look at every month and you know the weight that you carry. And especially when you have a hundred employees and you care about them. He goes, we're gonna handle everything. Man, while I was gone, they fired people. They let people go. They did. It's like, oh, this person's gone. Oh, they're gone? Oh yeah, they're gone. He was like, well, praise the Lord. Y'all just, y'all keep doing that. Anyway, so it was a struggle for me not to know. It was a struggle for me to trust. It was a struggle for me not to be making a meaningful contribution because that is a part of what gives my life meaning and purpose. And while I'm resting, I'm not a part of what was going on here and it was very hard on me. I wanna be honest with you and tell you, it's hard for me to say out loud, I don't even like to say it, I had a massive heart attack. I, I have a hard time even saying it. So this one struggle, here's what I want you to hear, caused a cascade of other struggles and that's where some of you are today. The struggle that you have started a long time ago with something else. So I just wanna be really transparent with you about some of my ongoing struggles as your pastor and as the father of this house. And some of you know this, I've talked about it before, but I ongoingly struggle with discouragement. You know, I'm an encourager. I want to encourage people. 
Encourage means to speak strength into. But I struggle with discouragement because I feel like that the strength is pulled out of me. One of the reasons I struggle with discouragement is I struggle with people who've chosen to leave our family and yet I want people to be happy and I want them to do what they feel like God wants them to do. But listen, I didn't start this church, y'all listen to me. I didn't start this church so we'd have a good church. I didn't start this church because I wanted to preach. I started this church because I wanted to have a family. Like I wanted to do life with people. So when someone, it's not right for somebody else, I'm just being honest with you, I struggle with that. Like, well, this isn't right for us. Like, like yesterday I was at the Meekum Auto Show. I love cars and Chris Schaefer said, hey, let's go to the, let's go to the car place, you know, whatever it was, Meekum Auto. So we're there and I had a guy walk up to me. People say this all the time, all the time. I can't hardly go anywhere. They was like, hey, I used to go to your church. Like, and I'm waiting for the next thing. Like I'm thinking, hey, come on back. Like we're, let's, let's be a family. Let's, like, I used to go, hey, I, I used to go. Yeah, I used to go there. Okay. Like I struggle with that. This guy yesterday said, because but we've moved to Austin. This is my father-in-law. I'm gonna take, can I take a picture with you? My wife will be so happy. We still watch every week. I went, okay, my, that made my heart feel good. Okay, thank you, thank you. You didn't leave because you were mad. You didn't leave because I said something stupid. You didn't believe because somebody said something stupid. You didn't believe because somebody treated you mean. You left because you moved. Okay, I get it. That was a good report. I'm just telling you what I struggle with. I struggle with mean-spirited people who say bad things about me in our church. I struggle with it. I'm just being honest. I struggle with being rejected. I hate to even admit that, but I do. I mean, I see, it's like, come on, man. It's the truth, I struggle with it. Some of you will understand this and some of you won't, but I struggle with my want to be wanted. Like there's something on the inside of me. I don't, I don't want people to need me because I wanna meet, the, if somebody's in my life, I wanna meet the needs that they have. But when somebody wants to be with me, and that's, what, that's when I was thinking about you, when I was on that, in the ICU, and I thought, these people come because they, like, they wanna be with me. They wanna be with our family. Like that brings me great joy. But when somebody says, I don't want that anymore, I struggle with that. This is a big one for me. I struggle with getting older. Like, I don't like it. I finally let my hair go gray a couple of years ago. I was fighting and putting everything on it I could to just go, okay, I'm still young. I'm still Josh's brother. <laughs> Nobody says that anymore. Is that your grandfather? Anyway. <laughs> I struggle with judgmental people. I struggle with rude, ill-mannered, bad attitude, negative people, and yet God's called me to reach them. I just struggle with it, man. I don't want to be in the room with you if you're a negative person. It's just, I'm just being honest. 
So I haven't, I haven't always handled rude, ill-mannered, bad attitude, negative, judgmental people very well. After I've condemned them to hell, I ask God to forgive me. And <laughs> I struggle with people who struggle with me. And I know some people do. I struggle when what is real seems to hinder or stop what I see as ideal. Like I have this ideal in my life. It's like, I want it to be this way. And then what's real when it's not, I struggle with that difference. I struggle with not being valued by people who I would like to be valued by. I struggle with my physical body, not holding up to what I expect. Yesterday, I didn't tell Chris Schaefer this, we were walking around that meekum and my back started hurting. I was, I was like going, back, I'm just telling you, man, I'm fixing to, I am fixing to throw you on the floor. I'll break you in half if you don't. That's why, that's why I think, it's like, what in the world? Why is my back hurting right now? I know some of y'all don't deal with this stuff, but I do. Recently, I was meeting with our executive team here at the church and I happened to turn around and I saw this picture on the wall. This is my dog. In the middle of a meeting, I started crying. I mean, I'm so sorry. I just was turning to talk to somebody and I saw me holding my dog. My dog died two years ago. It's so stupid. I still struggle with it. <laughs> it's crazy. It's like my dog died and I still struggle with my dog. It's crazy, man. But I'm just being honest with you, I struggle with it. Like I love my dog, it's so stupid. No, but I'm just telling you, just, come on, man. Get it together, Keith. It's a dog. When my dog died, Josh came over and he goes, I, like, I, I, I didn't want to even pick my dog up. Like I was, Josh goes, dad, I'll take care of London. And he took care of London for me. Thank you, son. It's crazy. <laughs> Just stuff like that. I mean, I'm just, I, it's like, I don't have anything to lose, y'all. I'm just telling you, like, I am messed up. I'm struggling, you know? I'm like, okay. Oh, God. Anyway, I'm almost through. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Listen, one of my heroes is here today. It's Tad Tomaseski. You know why, Tad? Because not only is he my son in the gospel, if you want to know how to struggle well, you go look at his Facebook. That's how somebody struggles well. I'm not sure I could do that, Dad. It's been amazing. Your journey's been amazing. I mean, you've, it's like we're gonna believe all the way, no matter what. When, when the doctor said there's no way, we're gonna believe all the way. But, but here's the thing, here's how he is. Hey, you know what, even if it doesn't happen, that first thing that I was talking about, gratitude, I'm gonna be grateful. And your life has become such a testimony and such a light of, really how to struggle well. It's, it's ministered to me in this season. 
And I'm not a big Facebook guy, but I do go to Facebook to read your stuff. I don't know what you're struggling with today, but I know some of you are like me. I'm just getting, I'm just getting like, after you have a heart attack and they say, hey, you should be dead, you almost died. Maybe you hear it about 50 times. You go, you know what? I'm not gonna be like that person on Oprah. One time I was watching Oprah Winfrey and it was about these people who like survived these cataclysmic things. And the one person fell out of an airplane, well, parachuted out of an airplane, their parachute didn't open. They bounced about three times and got up and walked away. And Oprah said, well, how's your life gonna be different? Not one difference. I'm just gonna get back up in that plane. I thought, well, that sounds noble. You know what? If you fall out of a plane and your parachute doesn't open, if you bounce back up, you better decide I'm gonna live differently. And I'm just telling y'all as your pastor, I'm gonna be different. I'm gonna be a different person. I'm gonna be a different man. I'm gonna be a different leader, lover. Oh God, okay, this is it. Romans seven. In this season, I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Can somebody say struggle? I don't know if you've ever felt like that, but like, I know I shouldn't do this, but I'm gonna do it. I know I should have a good attitude right now, but I'm struggling. I know I should. You know, do that, you know, it's like we, we got these shoulds and we're shoulding all over ourselves. It's like should, 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 should. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That it's my sinful nature. I want to do what's right, but I can't. This is Paul, by the way, who wrote about two thirds of the whole New Testament. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. Anybody here ever felt like that? Come on, you ever felt like that? Like I know I shouldn't, okay? That's called struggle. Why do we struggle? We struggle, it's very simple. We struggle because it should be this way and it's not. We struggle because I should have done that and I didn't. We struggle because they should have done that and they didn't. That's all the reasons we struggle right there in three statements. This shouldn't be happening, it's unfair, and we struggle with it. The ideal is this way, but the reality is this. They shouldn't have done that, but they did. I shouldn't do that, but I do. I should do that, and I don't. I have discovered, the Bible says, this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that's a war in my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. And then I don't even like to read this. Oh, what a miserable person I am. I think in your struggle, that's the side you can get on. I think on the side of the struggle, it's like, man, this is, I am miserable. This is miserable. And then something, watch this, that's supposed to be unstoppable in our spirit dies. Because let me tell you what the devil's after, your hope. He's after your hope. So look what, look what Paul says. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? 
thank God. The answer is Jesus. The answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. Like in my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. Like, let me, let me say it a different way. It's like it's supposed to be this way, but it's not. And all I can tell you is, We have a chance at being unstoppable no matter what happens when we choose to be grateful. That's the point where that thing doesn't stop you because you're still grateful. We have a chance to be unstoppable when we decide, I can't fix this struggle. You know how bad it frustrates me when I can't fix something? How many of y'all kind of see yourself as a fixer or you'd like to be? Like, I'd like to fix this. And when you can't fix it, that's the struggle. When you've done everything you can do, like my friend, my brother, my dearest son, along with that dear son, I've got two dear, dear sons. Dad and I have been together more than a quarter of a century. Like the fact that he still wants to be around me eases my struggle. But when you've done everything you can do and nothing works, that's when you got to just say, you know what, Jesus? I'm your son. I'm your daughter. And I want my spirit to bear witness with your spirit that I am an heir of every bit of your glory that you have, not just in heaven, but you have on earth. And this thing that I'm suffering with right now, if even if... I die, even if it doesn't work out. I mean, here's the thing. One of the things Josh said was, Josh, and I love this, at 20, how old are you? 32. 32. I forgot. <laughs> you seemed older than what I was saying is why I asked. How old are you anyway? You know what I loved about what he said at 32? Who can say this? He said, Dad, I was thinking for nine hours on the drive here to see you. There's nothing left unsaid. I have no regrets. And that's not because I'm a great man. That's because you're a great man. That you don't have regrets. It's true. In his own struggle, in our struggle, I don't have regrets. Because you know what? I believed all the way even when the outcome wasn't what I thought, I still believed all the way. I still fought the good fight. I still did everything I could do. And you know what? If my inheritance is on that side, and by the way, it eventually is, the bottom line is, even if I had died, and hey, y'all, listen, I'm young, strong, I'm good today, but someday I'm not gonna be, like I see all these old people walking around, and I go, I do not wanna be like that. I told Josh, said, if I ever walk like that, hit me with a baseball bat. I mean, I, I'm just telling you, I'm being honest with you. But I know I struggle. I'm going to struggle. Bow your heads with me. Some of y'all are in the middle of your biggest struggle. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to take action. 
If you say, I've got a real struggle going on today, I want you to stand up right now. I got a real struggle. There's a real struggle. Just jump up right now and say, I got a real struggle going on. I don't know what it is physical, spiritual, financial, relational, emotional, whatever it is. I've got a real, I'm, I'm like in the battle. You know why, Whit, why I had Whitney? Whitney wasn't supposed to be up today. She hadn't been feeling good. She'd been pregnant. And she, she struggles with pregnancy. That's why she's only going to have three children for me instead of 12. But it's very difficult on her. Come here, baby. And I said, Whitney, I know you're not up for worship today, but I need you to sing that song. And you know why I want her to sing that song? Because the battle is won. It may not come out like I thought it would, but the bottom line, I say the battle is won. I say I'm grateful, even when stuff is happening to me that I'm not grateful for. Still in everything, I give thanks to you, God. I give thanks to you because I'm your son. I give thanks to you because you have a plan for me. Every day on this side of the dirt is a gift from you. So as long as there's breath in me, I'm going to thank you. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to believe like Abraham did. I'm going to believe against my own belief. I'm going to hope against my own hope. I'm going to keep on keeping on God because you are for me and you didn't promise that my life would be without struggle, but you said, let not your heart be troubled. For if you believe in me, understand this, I am moved. The Bible says that God is moved. His heart is tender towards the brokenhearted. Just lift up your hands all across this place. Arthur, I want you to sing this song over. Sir Whitney, you sing it. Chains. Chains fall, fear bow here now. Jesus, you change it. Come on, would you sing that? Lives heal, hold, found here. Do you know that all you have is your own belief? Would you just elevate your own belief and say, God, I believe you. I believe you. In my struggle, I believe you. In my struggle, I'm your son. I'm your daughter. I'm an heir of your glory. Come on, sing it. Listen very carefully to what I'm going to tell you. <sighs> After you go through something like I've gone through, you know what they do? Heart doctors, they say, you need to go to cardiotherapy. Here's what my doctor said. For you to go to cardiotherapy would be like going to kindergarten. <laughs> he said, so just be careful as you start to exercise again. Let me just tell you something now. Every time I exercise now, I feel my heart in a way I never felt it before. When I lay down at night and I breathe, 
I feel my heart like I've never felt it before. And rather than letting that move me to fear, I say, God, thank you that I'm still breathing even though I can feel something <laughs> that I used to not feel. So, so here's what happens. See, most people, listen, without God, most people go, something wrong? No, 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 I'm feeling that, but I've still got breath. I can still proclaim that you're God. And then I start talking to my heart. Now heart, listen, I know we're feeling something right now, man. You just think we're going to sleep. We're gonna to go to sleep and we're not gonna worry. I don't know what your struggle is, but in the name of Jesus, I pray and I speak an unstoppable spirit over your spirit that from this day forward, you will make a decision, number one, to be grateful, and number two, to struggle well. No matter what my struggle is, I declare the goodness of God. No matter what my struggle is, God, I thank you that you are my peace in the midst of my storm. God, I will struggle well. And that is even when I hear the negative report, even when I feel things I've never felt before, I will believe against belief. I will hope against hope. Now everybody look at me. Not that everything's gonna be all right, but that no matter what happens, no matter what happens, I'm a son of God. You're a daughter of God. And guess what? I'm an heir of his glory as long as there's breath in my body. And when, I, and when there's no more breath, listen, when there's no more breath, I get it all. When there's no more breath, I get it all. No more struggle. You know what's gonna be great about heaven? For the first time, some of you are gonna not feel struggle anymore. That's why people, when they get older, they get older. I've never thought about this, but I can, I, can, I can understand it a little bit. Like when I was resting, Whitney, I thought, you know, it feels pretty good. I'm learning to rest. Josh, I think you might be in charge. I, I might just go, hey, you handle that. Guess what happens? Watch this. I'm gonna say one last thing. My friend, Tad, if he stumps his toe, it's not like most people that stump their toe. It might hurt a little bit. It's like, that's nothing compared to what I've been through. Here's the point. When you struggle well, you build up an immunity against the pain that used to hurt really bad. And that's part of the glory. Part of the glory is that hurts. But guess what? My struggling well is the pain isn't controlling me. I hope y'all got something out of today. Jesus. Everybody pray this prayer with me. Just in your own way. Just everybody, just kind of lift, lift, lift your hands again up to God. Just as an act of surrender. Just say, just say it out loud. Say it to yourself. Say, Lord, I thank you that you love me, that you care about me, that you suffered. And that sometimes I get to share in the sufferings. But I thank you it's not about the suffering, but it's about the knowing that you're God. So I give you permission to be God of my past, my present, and my future. I choose to believe.
that you are God. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to our channel on iTunes and YouTube. That way, you know when a new sermon has been uploaded. Also, if this message has impacted you and you want to contribute to help us reach more people, feel free to go to elevate.life forward slash give. We look forward to seeing you here next time.